Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Three Point Jesus podcast. Uh, we have a special, uh, special edition of the show today. Uh, I'm Sam. I'm here with my regular co-host, Jay, and then we are honored to be joined by uh, Chris Wilson of the Rakes Report podcast. Uh, Chris, welcome to Three Point Jesus, our first ever guest. Thank you for having me, guys. This is this is an honor. I, I listen every week because I don't always catch the games if they seem particularly sad. But you guys are there to take those bullets, so it's really appreciated as a <laughs> as a not not a not I wouldn't say a fair weather Notre Dame basketball fan, but like a medium weather Notre Dame basketball fan. Yeah, well, Chris, if you uh, if you like sad basketball games, boy, you you came to the right place. Oh, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're, we're here to discuss uh, Notre Dame's uh, last two games, specifically the, the 65-53 loss to Virginia and then a 70-60 loss uh, at Pitt um, this Saturday. And, and then we'll also take some time to just sort of talk about the state of the program, where things stand, and uh, you know, get, get Chris's thoughts on the Micah Shrewsbury era so far. So um, with that, Jay, Jay, how you doing? How uh, did you get through this week of Irish basketball? You know, I, I just persevered, as is all we can do right now. Um, we're back on our normal uh, Sunday night recording schedule because my Lions uh, are, are no longer, they've been vanquished. Um, so, uh, missed watching the NFL and, and filled that void with some just tremendous Notre Dame men's hoops. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we don't we don't need to make any special arrangements for the Super Bowl uh, next weekend. Although, I guess we're probably not, not going to want to, we're not going to want to record during the Super Bowl, but we'll get there when we get there, so... Um, all right, well, first we can sort of, um, you know, go, go in chronological order, uh, start with Notre Dame's 65-53 loss at Virginia um, on Wednesday night. You know, I mean, guys, this to me is like as much fun as the first Virginia game was back in, um, back in late December in South Bend. This is kind of um, what I expected if you said, you know, this team is going to play Virginia. Um, you know, sort of in a blender defensively all game, couldn't really get anything going. And then uh, Jacob Groves, <laughs> I guess I wouldn't have expected this. He had six of eight threes for 18 points, and uh, and Virginia ends up winning 65-53. So, um, I don't know, Jay, I guess we start start with you. Any sort of takeaways from this one as, as you watched it? Yeah, just a rough watch. Um, the Basically, the entirety of the offense was Burton and Shrewsbury in this game. Uh, they both had really pretty nice outings. Um Burton putting up 17, Shrewsbury putting up 16, the whole rest of the team combining for 20 points. Um, I, I'll say this. I mean, we did outscore him in the second half. <laughs> um, you know, not, no clear, uh, you know, sign of positivity really to take away from this game. You know, you're, you're definitely going through with a fine-tooth comb to find things to be optimistic about coming out of this game. Yeah, I will say the one thing that surprised me when I sort of was looking into this game was that it was actually our fourth best um, outing from an effective field goal percentage all, all game, or all season, excuse me, um, behind only the other Virginia game, and then the Western Michigan and, and Maryland Eastern Shore Notre Dame had a, a 57% effective field goal percentage, which is much better than the season average of 46.8%. Um, granted a lot of that, it it helps when you shoot 50% from three, nine of 18. So that'll sort of help, help from the effective percentage. But, um, yeah, I mean, this, this was just, uh, sort of, sort of in a lot of ways, the inverse of the last Virginia game where they kind of got hot early and then were really able to, to be comfortable, um, be comfortable playing with the lead and, uh, you know, Notre Dame, despite, like you said, um, some good offensive stuff from, from Shrewsbury, who had 10 in the second half, and, and Burton, who had 12 in the second half. 
Um, you know, Notre Dame never really got back in this one. Um, um, it just Virginia's defense is always going to give us problems, and um, for some reason, I, I was optimistic a little bit heading into this game just because of how we played the first time and it's just like hey maybe this is just like a good matchup for us but, <laughs> uh, eh, it's pretty clear that, that was just a one-off i think uh, it's where I, we, we couldn't miss from anywhere it's, i was gonna say i mean if you told me nd shot 50 percent from three and out rebounded them i'd be like wow that's great they must have won by a bunch it's like well they actually also turned the ball over 18 times and got blocked six times it's like okay well that's less that's less good than i've said and they also gave up 52 percent three-point shooting which for like for a tony bennett team to shoot 52 percent from three against you um that's a mix of like blowing some assignments and also just rotten luck i feel like to have that happen yeah this was definitely one where i and maybe it's been a little bit of a trend i think in the last few games but this was one where i really felt like notre dame's defense was kind of coming back to earth a little bit you know after sort of the early stretch of ACC games, we were all so sort of bullish on the defense, and, and man, this is like a genuinely good defensive team. Um, you know, this, according to Bart Torvik, was our worst defensive game of the season. Um, you know, this was, Notre Dame has had a good run of sort of holding teams below their scoring average, and now, granted, points per game, a lot of that is just the pace Notre Dame plays at, but this one, we were playing Virginia, so um, less, less relevant there, and Virginia, you know, averages 65 a game, they scored 65, so they were right at their average. Um, and this was one where you didn't really see sort of that defensive, um, I don't want to say effort, because you know, I'm sure the effort was there, but like you didn't see the same defensive success that we saw earlier in ACC play. Um, so I don't know. I feel like the, the less said about this one, the better. I don't know if you guys have any other sort of final thoughts on uh, the UVA game, but, uh, but we can move on to, to Pitt after that, I think. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's let's never talk about let, the the less we talk about UVA basketball, the better, honestly. Um, so then, moving on uh, to the Pitt game, Notre Dame loses seventy to sixty to Pitt. Um, Notre Dame jumped out to an early lead in this one, and and I thought um, you know Pitt was ice cold early. You know, really couldn't get anything going. Um, Notre Dame led by you know mid single digits for most of the first half, and then I think. To me, there was sort of a key stretch late in the first half where Burton had a three go in and out uh, that would have stretched into a seven-point lead. Instead, Pitt comes down the other end. Bub Carrington hits a, a you know totally in rhythm transition three that cuts it to one. The Pete goes crazy, and then Pitt ends up taking the lead on the next possession and, and never gives it back. So, you know, look, I don't, I'm not saying Notre Dame would have won if that Burton three went in, but to me, that was like entirely when the tide turned, and then it went you know went from a competitive game that Notre Dame was in to just really kind of a slog to, to keep it in, you know, within 10 or so. So I know Chris, we can start with you. Any, any sort of takeaways from, from the pit game, watching the Irish go back to your home of, of Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, it was the, that stretch you mentioned coincided with, they started just like sinking off of three point shooters. They had been very aggressive uh, out of the perimeter and then they were, then they got too aggressive. I believe it was uh Tay Davis Faude fouled a shooter behind the arc and that was just I mean part of the problem was like Pitt started where they like 0 for 9 to start the game from 3 and just because of the ND offense everything being so just difficult like they could not put any any space between and the other thing Sam that was really interesting is I had just had the ACC network feed on and by the time it switched over from the lacrosse game (laughs) Marcus Burton had already picked up his second foul yep so it was sort of like a very and they actually did it was sort of like in promising there for a little bit like they were kind of figuring out like logan imes had a had a had a solid stretch and like 
there was like a made hook shot down low. Um, and like everyone was like kind of contributing a little bit. And so it was sort of an interesting experiment of like, can they do anything without Burton for a long stretch? And, and they did okay. Um, but it was just, I, and I have a couple other thoughts, but those are like sort of generally like, it's just when you're, when you're playing that good of defense, but you cannot stretch it out. Like that's just, that's tough because eventually it is and assuming the other team gets any sort of life on offense, which Pitt then did. Um, I, I loved, um, Hinson, just the combination of being anytime someone's a good three point shooter, but a bad free throw shooter, or like even like a low <laughs> I love that. He had a bunch of accessories on. I was just a big fan. I was enjoying his game quite a bit. Um, I mean, just like objectively, I did not like it when he started sinking like random threes on ND, but it was hard to, he's a, he's an archetype of a player. I, I really enjoy yeah, he's got a certain kind of, I don't know, maybe it is earned at this point, but it feels like an unearned confidence where he's just going to, like, chuck up a three, and, and he makes it. And, you know, he, he went seven for seven in Cameron uh, a couple of weeks ago and then got on the scorer's table. So, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think um, I, I think you, you had a good point there where, you know, the two early fouls on Burton, I think, you know, one thing that we've been talking about a lot on this podcast and it's sort of been a theme for the Irish this season is, like, where do we get sort of the ball handling outside of Burton? And I thought, um, you know, one, it was interesting that they went, you know, more with Logan Imes as opposed to Tay Davis, which is sort of what they've been doing earlier in the season. Um, and then two, you know, like you said, like there was some good stuff from Logan Imes. Like I was pretty impressed. So, um, you know, I think that, and, you know, in addition to when Burton was on the bench, there was also some possessions where, where Burton was on the court and he was playing off the ball with Imes bringing it up. Um, so that, you know, while it obviously didn't, end up working out in the long run of the pit game, I think that's kind of encouraging going forward to be something um, when Burton does need a break that, that Iams can co- sort of uh, handle that load a little bit more. Um, I don't know, Jay, Jay what are uh, you, you mean high-level thoughts or um, you know, what are, what's your sort of takeaway from this game? Yeah, I mean, obviously positives from Logan Iams. Um, he's getting quite a quite a bit of run um, from Shrews lately. Um, seems to be he's taken those carry booth minutes as we've gone to a more guard-centric lineup. Um, Man, we're, we're, we're good rebounders at the guard spot, and our just our bigs just don't rebound, so that's a curious <laughs> um, some trend, I guess. Maybe something to keep an eye on. Um, one thing we uh, talked about last pod a bit was looked like Burton was kind of running out of gas, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, how is he going to hold up? But, I mean, he had a pretty solid week here with, um, you know, leading scorer for the Irish in both games. Um, he's, he's the offensive buoy for us, and um, good to see him sort of have a little bit of a bounce-back week um, you know, he didn't turn the ball over against Pitt either. That was a problem last week against Miami. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, just good to see him have a bounce back week, but they just don't have the talent really to, um, to survive an off night from a couple of their anyone scorers, like JR. Yeah. JR and Shrewsbury. Yeah. I mean, like everyone's kind of got to be hitting if they're going to win a ball game really it feels like right now yeah yeah connecting one of eight from the field one for five from three um you know i think i i really do feel it does feel like sort of the book is out on this team from a you know offensive or defensive game planning perspective of just pressure the hell out of the guards and you know don't worry like there were a couple of possessions where you know keba would get the ball down low they'd have uh federico federico on him and, and, you know, no help came. They didn't double. And it was just like, you know what? If you want to beat him, if Kevin can beat him one-on-one, go for it. And, and he couldn't. And so, you know. If, he couldn't. And, no. he, and he couldn't. And so, like, if Notre Dame doesn't have <laughs> that guy that can, you know, even make opponents think about having to collapse the defense a little bit, then 
I, I don't. It's it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard for the guards to to get open and score. I can't I remember another basketball team that had so that's all right. So little inside offensive presence. Yeah, they have none. Yeah, I mean even you know? even Zona is like I think Zona has kind of settled into on like what a good team like on a, on a good team I'd be pretty excited about Zona kind of finding this role as like purely a pick and pop guy like that's all he does and he's pretty good at it <laughs> but but we, we need a little bit more from you from you man we need we need you to actually play uh play your size too I mean you know him and him and Keba combined for uh four rebounds against Pitt and and I mean that's just not gonna get it done the one thing that jumped out to Five me when Pitt went on yeah there you go um <laughs> <laughs> on the run was, I, I don't, and maybe this is sort of uh, a bias of like when it works, I don't know, but there were several times where like they would, uh, the Irish would play good defense and then uh, a pit player would like kind of pick up their dribble, I mean, sort of in a, in a tougher, tougher position, like out on the wing and they would run a double team at them. And then that would get, they would all, I don't think they got any steals out of that, but it would just, they would sort of start the spin cycle again. And some of the rotations were good, but it was these situations where like, you know, this is not a, like a high for as, as quality as the defense has been most season. It's not a high steal team. There would just be like random flashes of aggression and that Pitwood did a nice job of making them pay for it. And I was just, that was, I don't know if that jumped at you guys at all or if that was just like kind of like survivorship bias where it, when it didn't work, it was like, oh, that wasn't good, but this is how they've had been a quality defense all season. But that was one thing, because I was trying to figure out like, okay, one, Pitt's just hitting shots, but also like they're also getting like way more open shots than they were before. Um, it was partially they were playing better and that, you know, good offense will eventually like overcome good defense. But that was like the one, because I'm trying, I mean, we, we, we get the big picture, we can talk about this, of like, what like what matters and what carries mm-hmm. forward like from the season and so it's like does any of this matter it's like <laughs> but i would just like that i have a couple other bigger picture things i want to present to you guys but that was one thing just in this game particularly that jumped out to me yeah i i definitely agree with what you're saying and i, I noticed that too i think to me a lot of it is like this team defensively kind of knows what they're supposed to do um and is sort of generally pretty good at, at being in the right place at the right time, but they can also occasionally suffer from the problem that they have of, they just haven't played together that much. And so they don't have that sort of sixth sense of like where their teammates are going to be, you know, where they can expect help, you know, that sort of, um, you know, knowledge that just comes with, comes with time and, and, and playing together. So I think that might be sort of, what you, of like, they're, they're sort of following Shrews's game plan pretty well. Um, but don't have that sort of like defensive spidey sense yet to, to kind of always make smart decisions and, um, you, know, m- m- you know, put that extra pressure on when, the, when they're supposed to and not when they're not. If that makes yeah. sense at all, based on, based on what you were saying, Chris. No, yeah, I, I get I, that makes total sense. Um, I just, okay, so I'm just going back through, obviously the Irish have lost eight to nine. I just want to read you guys the number of points that the Irish have scored in win or loss over the last oh, eight games. Okay, ready? Oh, no. 59, 59, 75 in overtime against Georgia Tech in the win. 58, 59, 61, 58, 53 against Virginia and 60. That is tremendous consistency. <laughs> like they're literally right at fifty-eight, fifty-nine, or sixty in eight of the last nine games. That's wild. 
Yeah, so, um, so we just need to hold and hold our opponents. Our eight of eight of nine or less. So just need to hold <laughs> yeah, just need to hold the opponents under. Uh, I would say under fifty five. Let's be safe here. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Yeah, you um, some it's like those Pistons teams in the early 2000s where they held like five or six straight teams under 60 points. Yeah, the, the NBA final scores against the Lakers was like 68-65 or whatever. Um, good, <laughs> yeah. good, good times. Um, all right, well, yeah, we can sort of use that as a pivot into sort of bigger picture thoughts. Although, I don't know, Chris, did you have anything else from the pit game that, that you wanted to hit on? No, not specifically, but there were a couple like things that one one thing that jumped out to me was, and this was something that didn't match up with my eyes. So if you look at the conference numbers, Notre Dame is um, their fourth in offensive rebound rate um, in ACC play, and they're only 188th overall. And it was I, I noticed like as you mentioned, it'd be just, like isolating a guy on the post. They would take like a bad shot. It would either get blocked or it would roll off or something happened. And I am wondering if you guys, if 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 they are going to go, I, this is my two prong presentation. Should they be crashing the boards more and sacrificing potentially getting back on defense? At which point, though, you're making college teams try to execute a fast break. Like for example, on Saturday night, Notre Dame had a uh, an advantage in a fast break, and it led to an airballed corner three, which was a sign <laughs> maybe things weren't going their way. Um, but do they? Should they consider? Because the other thing is like the turnovers are horrible. Like that's just in and out. Like. Do you need to crash the boards more to go um, in an attempt to even out like the shots, like the, like the Virginia game? Like you, we mentioned, how all the stats were pretty similar, but the, with the turnovers, like well, there you there you go. Or conversely, do you play a little bit smaller? And we mentioned Logan Imes getting more time, with the idea being, listen, we got nothing going from the post. Do we try to sacrifice a little bit more defense to get? try to get some penetration. Um, if I'm just going to play a little bit better, if you get like a good Shrewsbury game, obviously Burton giving him space to work. Um, I'm just trying to work through, again, like it doesn't really matter. Like this team is, it's, it's you know, it's, it's year zero. I'm, I'm just trying to work through like smaller things that may help ring. Because the thing is like the defense was good, but it, it's not like, you know, it's like what, 50th-ish in Ken Palm. So it's not like, you know, it's a top 10 defense. It's right. like, we you, you can sacrifice maybe like a little bit to it. So those are kind of like my big picture thoughts on on that of like, do either of those make sense to you guys as potential options here as they have another, you know, month plus of basketball to do of trying to wring a couple more, more wins out? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Jay, if you have any thoughts. I think my sort of initial reaction is like one, you know, like you said, there's a month left here. And I think, this is the time to, to, to try stuff, you know, like th- throw stuff at the wall, um, see, see what you have and, and maybe try some of those ideas out. You know, I think when you talk about like, you know, should they crash the boards more versus getting back on defense? I, I feel like one of, at least from a, my perspective, like one of Micah's goals right now is minimizing the number of sort of choices his players have to make on court. Cause they're just not, mm-hmm. they don't have the basketball IQ at the college level to kind of make, um, you know, make those kind of split-second decisions. And so I, I feel like that sort of inviting teams on a fast break against you kind of invites that of, like, you know, do you foul here? Do you not foul here? Do you, um, you know, how much do you pressure in the front court? Um, and so I feel like he's just sort of like, let's minimize the decision-making, let's get back on defense, set up, and, and we know we're pretty good in, like, you know, there, there's not many things that you look at Notre Dame and it's like, okay, they're pretty good at something, but like half court mm-hmm. defense is something that they are pretty good at. And so let's just rely on that. So um, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I think like the small ball idea is, is interesting too. And you, know, you saw a little bit of that in the second half of the Miami game 
um, a couple of weeks ago when when he was not happy with with Keba um, and Kerry Booth. And I think there might be something to that, um, but I think a lot of that is predicated on you know can, can you get like reliable offense out of Logan Iams? Do you sort of need him to to be able to create some stuff offensively? And I mm-hmm. think um, you know Notre Dame's just not at a point where even if it goes small, like it has five guards who can reliably score. And so then so 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 then you're just stuck playing four on five offensively and a out of position four on five offensively too. So. Um, you know, like this is a brainstorm. There are no bad ideas in a, in a year zero. So I'm, I'm all for right, it's one of the things where like, he might just not have, there just might not be any cards to, to play. Like there's no way to approach this in a way where you can, where you can goose it out. Those are just two. I wanted to bring those to the, to the table here and see, and see if it, if either of those had any, those are, those are very good, good points. I'm curious if, if Jay, where he falls, falls on it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the camp of, and I feel this way just about college basketball in general. I would much rather accentuate a strength than try and cover up a weakness. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't think Notre Dame is built now or maybe ever under shrews. We'll see what kind of coach he <laughs> and, and offense as he gets more more talent and his type of system players in the in the program. But um, I would much rather you know play it slow, get back on defense, accentuate your defense and and your rebounding. They've been a good rebounding team, even though not from really the forwards necessarily. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with Sam in that I would basically be taking it slow, especially in year zero. Uh, give Burton time to, um, you know, just sort of process the game. Um, and, yeah, minimize those decisions like like you were saying, Sam. So, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree that I would be taking it the same way that Shrews seem, seemingly is coaching these guys. And it's, it's like, you know, if you do crash the boards in hopes of a little bit more offense – um, you still got to make the the second shot, right? We're not exactly <laughs> doing a whole true. lot of that. So, uh, <laughs> um, and, and no, fair point. They've yeah. been a pretty good rebounding, you know. Pretty, you know. I think you said they were fourth in ACC play. So, um, you know, I think Micah should be trying as much as he can on the offensive side of the ball, but you don't want to jeopardize the one thing you're good at. I guess is my short answer. Yeah, no, that I think that makes sense. But again, like, let's. Uh, Let's throw some stuff at the wall. I, I do hope to see, like, I feel like the, the season, and yeah. this is, I think, is a good transition into sort of the bigger picture. It does feel like the season has kind of stagnated a little bit these last couple. I think there was a lot of, um, you know, momentum in that late December into conference play period where Notre Dame was winning some games, losing some close games, um, and, and the last few have really been a little bit less competitive. So, um, you know, hopefully hopefully Shrews is trying some new stuff. And so we can at least watch the games and say, okay, that's interesting. You know, maybe that gives, gives us something more to think about um, in the off season. But you know, I guess, Chris, as your, uh, as your first time on the pod, I know, you know, we've talked a lot so far, but um, you know, in general, how have you, uh, you know, what have you thought about the first 22 games of, of the Micah Shrewsbury era? I did just want to shout out Logan. You mentioned keeping it slow. It was, it was 12. I, I marked this down. It was after he made his scoop shot. And it was twelve to six, and they got a stop. And he was like clapping for the ball in the backcourt as if they were gonna like get going. I'm like, I like where your heads at, Logan. I don't think this is really gonna happen. And they obviously they did not like do any kind of 
any kind of break because that was the third thing I was gonna. But I that one like I crossed off the list on my own of being like, okay, well if they're having trouble scoring, if you like beat the defense down the floor, hey, maybe that that the entire seven seconds or less ethos. But as you guys have talked about, as anybody who's watched this team, like I don't think they need to be rushing into things or trying for um, possession. So I took that one. That one was considered but not placed on the list uh, to present to the to the group here. Uh, no, it's just I'm trying to balance like. Last year's Penn State team was 13th in offense in Ken Palm and was was very, very good. And this roster is in no way Michael Shrewsbury's fault. He had to build it from scratch. And you have a undersized true freshman point guard who has one of the highest usage rates in the country. You have no post presence. Um, you have decent games every once in a while from Braden Shrewsbury as like a secondary creator scorer. Um, so I am trying to be at, at peace with sort of like this is a true year zero. Um, things aren't like as bad as the Citadel game, but they're probably not as good as the Virginia game. Like I feel like winning at Georgia Tech is in overtime in a gross game is sort of like that's that's a nice that's like basically where this team kind of is. Or like losing close ones to BC, like that feels like the level. It's not the Citadel game, and it's not the not necessarily the the Virginia game. Um, the one thing like is with that Penn State team is they did not, ha- and this is also being spoiled from from Bray teams of like the assist, the field goals made rate, even though they had a great offense was like pretty low for them last year, like middle, middle of the pack. And this team, again, like you mentioned, just like the basketball cues just not there. And again, it's like, it's a bunch of freshmen uh, and a bunch of guys who haven't played a bunch. And like, I, I totally get it. So I'm just trying to not like, just have some patience. It's he's, he's proven he can do it, but I do feel like some stuff this season is going to like, um, how to phrase this. Whenever we get a few more years in, these his handling of sort of like the benching and the comments about hey, listen, I'll help you help you transfer, um, which got like national attention of in for sort of like the the boldness of it. And you know the players are playing hard; they're bought in. That's not the problem. But I, it is one of those things where like in a few years, like if this isn't going well, I feel like it's going to be like oh, you know, the guy never had the locker room. Versus where if it is, like it's going to be like you know that's the kind of fire, and he had to he had to build this thing from the building the culture so (laughs) building the culture yes um we love to talk about leadership and culture like captain watch 2024 is already on for the notre dame football team nothing (laughs) is is a bigger is a a more important thing to discuss um so i don't know yeah i think you guys have had like a very like in a way it's like tough because listen we want to talk about the game we want to talk about this team um and so it's it's silly to be like well none of this matters um, but it is sort of like, it's kind of what we expected more or less. Uh, it's just like, maybe it's, I guess the one thing is I wish one of the front court players had popped early with a sense of like, oh, they have sort of like a preternatural feel for the game. And Davis has, has the flashes. Um, they've certainly like have him, he's been like primary creator at times this season. So I think that's the closest thing, but like would love like a big man who you're just like, okay, they kind of they kind of get it on the offensive end. And listen, they're all young. They're going to play more minutes. But I guess that's my, that is my main main thing. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. I, I think I have a couple of, of thoughts on your thoughts of like, you know, one, looking back at, at the Penn State team last year, I mean, that was a lot of Jalen Pickett doing awesome Jalen Pickett stuff and then surrounding him with shooters to, to kind of make mm-hmm. the offense go. So, it, it, I mean – Based on that, I don't think we're probably going to see even, you know, if we say when Micah Shrewsbury has an NCAA tournament caliber team in South Bend, like, I don't think it'll look like the Mike Bray teams offensively. Um, 
that being said, the other sort of interesting variable is like we also just don't have that much of a book on Micah Shrewsbury historically. Like he he's only been a head coach for two seasons before this one, so um, maybe that's wrong. Like maybe he is capable of of sort of putting in that free flowing, you know, move the ball offense that I think you know works well. At, you know, has been proven to work well at Notre Dame. It's not the only thing that'll work at Notre Dame, but um, you know, there's there's a little proof of concept there based on the players that that you're going to get. Um, you know, I, I think. I think it's it's um it's interesting. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, write this down. Yeah, and it's interesting what you said about the big men too, because I think you know I I, I realized I had this realization sort of right after our last podcast, Jay, and then I texted you, and I'm going to remember to say it now. But I feel like this team would be, you know, one, a lot better on the court, and, and two, sort of a lot more interesting big picture if Van Allen Lubin had stuck around. And, you know, mm-hmm. guys transfer whatever it happens, like especially in a coaching change, like, and it's not even really him, but just sort of like a guy like him, sort of a, a front court player who you sort of see it a little bit more now, you know, at, at this point in their careers. I think, um, you know, with Booth and Keba, there's the potential there but it's just a lot of projection to sort of see where they're going to get to as opposed to um you know a guy like Burton or or honestly even a guy like Logan Imes the last few games where you sort of you know can see okay I understand what he's going to be when he reaches his his sort of full form so um I don't know that was a lot of uh a lot of rambling on my part Jay I don't know if you you have anything to add there yeah I mean uh I agree I, I I really wish Kerry Booth would get more minutes, if I'm being honest. Mm. Um, I'd like to see what we have more in him. Sam and I have gushed about him a few times because you see the the glimpses of excellent rebounding and um, a guy with some offensive skill. Um, and, you know, I I don't know. I feel like... There's so many say, like, so many bad decisions, anymore, though. But <laughs> it's so true. Um, and, uh, like, you're going to have him at some point or another, and, and I get it, um, but... I don't know. It's like you're going to take your lumps anyway. You may as well take them in full force. I don't know. Yeah. Um, baptize them with fire. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when you text me about Van Allen Lubin, it, I just, man, we don't get front court players with his athleticism um, very frequently. And I was almost more sad that he left than, than like, when J.J. Starling left, honestly, because um, I, I saw great potential in a, and a type of player that we really struggle to recruit. Um but uh, yeah, no, it's a great point, Sam. Yeah, and I think that that sort of ties in with another thing that I think I texted you this week or during one of the games at some point. But like one, I don't know if it's like a red—I wouldn't call it a red flag—but something I'm sort of keeping an eye on moving forward is like I still feel like this team um, isn't—I would, I would say isn't above average athletically, and that was something towards the end of the Bray era that was always really a problem. It's just sort of a lack of athleticism mm-hmm. to, to get to the hoop. I don't know, Chris, I know I've talked to you of like guards that can dunk it. Like they're awesome. They're great. Like <laughs> they're cool. You, cool you, to have. Yeah. You, you, you go back and you watch like the Wisconsin game in the tournament from 2016. And like what Demetrius Jackson was able to do in that game or, you know, him dunking over Isaac Haas at the crossroads classic, like having guys that can do that just make everything so much easier. And I think Notre Dame, still doesn't really have that. And, like, if you look at the roster right now, I think, you know, Kerry Booth is a guy that, that can bring that sort of athleticism. 
and that really might be it. Like, I, you know, Tay Davis, I, we'll see. Um, you know, J, JR, I know he has, like, this sort of renowned dunking ability, but I, I don't really see it from him. And so that is, um, you know, one thing that and, – and, and coming in – you know, I don't, my understanding from what I've seen is like Sir Muhammad, Cole Serta, you know, we're going to bring a lot to the table right away, but sort of superior athleticism is not really it. Um, so I think that's one thing that I'm sort of watching for moving forward is like, it's got to be a transfer and, um, and recruiting situation, you know, in addition to making sure guys like Booth develop into the players that they can be to sort of get that, get that athleticism back on the roster. Yeah, the hope is, I mean, Sir Mahal may be like the combination of like the size and depending on what he ends, like, you know, he's it's currently sitting, he's like, you know, the top 40 prospect on uh, on 24-7. So hopefully they're correct and he can sort of step in and, and maybe, you know, between Mohammed coming in, hopefully he can play right away and whatever else they can get from the from the transfer, like that evens out a little bit. The other thing this team has, and this is kind of like a yeah, no duh, this is a statement, but I remember uh, before the season, there being conversations sort of like, well, who's going to score for this team? And in your mind, you think, well, like, listen, there are so many shots in the game. And people take those shots and they will, uh, and some will go in and those people will do the scoring. And it's just, it, this is, this team is a reminder that scoring in itself is a skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if you don't have it, it's hard to, it's hard to win basketball games. It's hard to put a, uh, not to talk about the game as a product, but the, the product of this Notre Dame basketball team is not, um, boy, it's, 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 it's tough on, on that end. So that's been really interesting is like, you do actually have to have that as a, as a skill or else you literally, you might just not, as you said, you might score 59 points a game for every game in the last, <laughs> last month and a half. Yeah. And, and I think that's something we took for granted late in the Bray era because the Mike Bray teams were so good at scoring and, and he, you know, could sort of design offenses and, you know, create systems that, that, you know, got, got the most offense he could out of that roster, the roster that he had. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's it's funny, you know, I've seen some sort of chatter among various Notre Dame basketball fans. You know, for, for years, there's been a segment of the Notre Dame basketball fan base that's been like, I want a defensive first team. I want a defensive first team. And then it's like, okay, this is kind of what that looks like. And then they say, oh, no, 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 but I want good offense too. It's like, oh, so you just want a really good basketball team. Like, yeah, like that, that would be great if we're, we're top 10 offensively and defensively. Like, yes, I want that too. But like, that's not how it works. You sort of need to... Um, you know, pick an identity and, and, and sort of like Jay said, especially in college basketball, lean into your strengths and, uh, and sort of use that. So um, that's sort of why we are where we are right now. I think, you know, obviously this offseason is going to be interesting. I, I, to me, I, I think it's still sort of TBD, um, you know, how much the football portal development is going to impact basketball and, and how much Micah wants it to impact basketball. Like, I, I think a transfer big is like number one was a bullet on the list of things we need this off season. But I don't know. I, I'm interested to see if that happens. And, and if not, um, what the reason is for, if it's Micah wanting to sort of build from the ground up or if the university is saying, well, football can, you know, football is football and you're not football. Um, so, um, so yeah, I don't know. That, that's sort of the, the bigger picture thoughts moving forward. I don't know. I think we can sort of, um, you know, end by looking at the week ahead, unless you guys have any, uh, any final, big picture thoughts uh, that we want to hit on let's move forward yeah let's, let's have eyes on the future yeah yeah well yeah you know because the last the last two have been so fun 
Um, Notre Dame will be playing Wednesday night at Duke University in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Um, Ken Palm has us as an 18-point underdog projected to score 57 points, which would be right on brand. Um, and that doesn't factor in the fact Duke's coming off a, a very embarrassing loss to their crosstown rival and will probably be motivated. Um, I don't think Ken Palm factors that in. But yeah, that perfect may play, time. Play a role in this. Yeah, yeah it's great. I, uh, you know, on the plus side, Notre Dame did play Duke really well up in South Bend um, a few weeks ago, but it's hard. Score fifty nine points. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard to it's hard to feel super optimistic about this one. I mean, this is one where like turn it on if we can if we can sort of hang around maybe you know maybe one guy has like a was it Cormac Ryan a few years ago who uh you know just went nuts down at down at Cameron and and ended up pulling out a win you know maybe Braden Shrewsbury can have a night like that just just to keep it close but um you know after that Notre Dame will come back home next weekend to host Virginia Tech that one's a, a little more interesting um Ken Palm has us as as a five-point underdog there um, I mean, that's one that's sort of like, if you're looking for results the rest of the way, uh, it's really like that game, uh, Georgia Tech at home, and then at Louisville are, are the ones that, um, that kind of jump out as uh, you know, the, the win opportunities, um, given the state of things right now. Um, yeah, so. it's, it's going to be a rough go, I think. We got, you know, the next back half of the season is um, – looking more and more daunting with every passing game of experience and data that we're getting. <laughs> so um, hopefully we can turn that around and, uh, you know, snake bite someone, um, catch them on a bad night. Um, I feel like we've caught a couple teams on bad nights and not been able to capitalize yet, but um, hopefully our fortunes, hopefully our fortunes will change somewhere along the way here in the next couple weeks. Yeah. I don't know if this changes anything. The, the Virginia tech game is at five thirty on the CW. So I feel like that's good. I like playing on the Can't CW. Get weirder than that. Yeah. At five thirty on a yeah. Saturday, like <laughs> why, why? <laughs> what, is, what is that? Like wedding, wedding cocktail hour time start tip start. I don't know. That's weird. That's it's sort of nice. Actually. Nothing. I didn't, I didn't love the six o'clock start. Cause I was like, do I want to, eat dinner beforehand do i want to eat dinner afterwards i, 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 don't, I don't like it the 5 30 that that feels a lot better yeah it is weird look, like looking back at the seat like they were you know one and one and sitting there with nc state had that lead then they got it back to two and three and it's just like i, I mean i guess we're just happy they got those two because yeah. there's you know a couple plays here a couple plays there this is looking like incredibly grim and it's weird because again like as we've discussed like it doesn't really matter but just for like the sake of like this team keeping it together and keep keeping their effort up um i'm curious is there anything like if you guys could you know wish upon a star like you could see over these these next dozen 10 games however many are left uh to come out to you and like like that would make you feel much better going into the into the off season um i don't know jay you want to you want to start there can my answer be yeah, can my answer be just don't lose to Louisville? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I think that's a, I think that's a good like Louisville's playing okay lately. Like it's it's, it's on the it's road at there. Louisville. Yeah. Like it's down there. I think absolutely. Like that's a stay out of the the total bottom. I think so. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's a good one. I think for me, it's and this is like wishing against evidence. I think at this point, but it would be to to have Kevin Jai develop. Like a, a po- an offensive game in the post, like you know, to the point where if you, if you give it to him, he's one on one. He can take a guy and, and score down there. But I think we've seen enough that that you know, 
he's only a sophomore. There's a lot of you know time to grow. Um, but that would definitely make me feel the most bullish about next season if he he shows that he could be a guy who um, mm-hmm. you know can be a contributor when this team is good. Basically, um, I do think, and I do think like the, to sort of on the Louisville point and like the LOL nothing matters point also. I do worry, and I've said this before, like there is a level of bad that you can get to that, you know, even in a year zero, even in a rebuild situation, it is hard to dig out of. Like, I think Louisville is an example of that. Like they just got so bad that Kenny Payne, you know, it's amazing he's still there, but he's not going to be there for, you know, mm-hmm. for the rebuild. Like he's going to get fired or, you know, Kevin Stallings at Pitt, like, you know, say what you will about Kevin Stallings. He, he probably wasn't a great coach, but a lot of that was like, things got so bad. They just couldn't dig out of it. Um, and, and I worry that, like, if Notre Dame finishes behind Louisville, like, we're sort of flirting with that with that danger zone. Um, and so, you know, definitely getting Ken Palm projects us to get two more wins in conference the rest of the way. Like, I think you sort of have to get to whether it's you know I think the most obvious ones are, are Georgia Tech at home, Louisville on the road. Um, but you know, if you can get get two more wins, that to me would would feel a lot better, and that would probably be enough to finish ahead of Louisville, especially if one of those wins is, is against Louisville. Um, and that that would be Yeah, I think to me, I, I agree, Sam. Two, two wins, two wins is, you, you gotta do it. Um, to me, it's Louisville and somebody else, I don't really care who. Um, three would be exceeding expectations and gravy going yeah. into the offseason. Yeah, definitely. Um, Alright, well hey, this was a lot that of fun. That it was, yeah. I was just going to say the week where they February into March, where they, they have Wake and Clemson at home, like two very quality teams. But after that, they finish two on the road. So it's like you gotta like those. That feels like maybe try to get one there, like just catch them. You guys said like catch them on a bad night, but yeah, just need a little bit of something going into the off season because I think the other thing that Mike Bray's like sort of consistent success for so long um, made people forget is like. The ND basketball program is not like there's no like edict from heaven that they have to be relevant or or matter. So hopefully this is, you know, in a couple of years where we're kind of back in the phrase, at least the bubble team every season. Yeah. Yeah. I think we were obviously really blessed and lucky for that, um, you know, 12 year run or whatever from from 06 ish or 05 ish to, you know, the end of the Bonzi Colson era. Um to play a lot of basketball games that matter. You know, honestly, like I was watching Purdue, Wisconsin earlier today and just had the thought of like, man, I miss watching Notre Dame playing basketball games like this one. Just like games that matter, mm-hmm. ranked teams, um, you know, NCAA. I know, I know we had, we had tournament games a couple of years ago. That was a lot of fun. It really does feel like sort of a mirage at this point. Like, did that, did that really happen? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but hopefully we'll be back there, back there again someday. So, um, I don't know, guys. I think this was fun. Any uh, final words before we before we wrap it up? All right, sounds good. Well, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll let you. Uh, <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank, thanks for joining us, Chris. I'll thanks let you. On, Chris. I'll let, let you plug. Uh, you know, where, where can where can folks find you? Although I feel like if they're listening to this, they probably know who you are. But uh, if not, uh, where where can they find you? Hey, maybe I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah, so uh, if you search any of your podcast services for uh, for Rake's Report, we'll have uh, some we'll have some basketball stuff certainly in March, and 
we'll have a uh, kind of a football recap coming here in a couple weeks once we figure out if any of Notre Dame's coaches are going to the NFL or not after the Super Bowl. Uh, and then um, for rigsreport.substack.com for your for your reading purposes, um, I have not migrated off of Substack yet. They don't make any money off of me, so I feel okay just kind of <laughs> hanging out there for a little bit longer. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week to you know maybe maybe we'll be talking about a win next week. I don't know. Let's try it. I think. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Tell your friends about us and uh, have a good week. Go Irish. <laughs>